Welcome back to another episode of Important Miscellaneous Talks. I'm your host, Glass for Crossfield. We are changing the world one podcast at a time. Our wonderful guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Caroline Milo. So, what do you do, Caroline? <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> I didn't know if I should go in full depth yet. Um, so, yeah, so I'm Caroline Milo, and I'm a full-time interior designer uh, slash project manager, and I just graduated from the University of Cincinnati with a major in interior design and minor in journalism, and now I, well, based off of December, I went viral on TikTok, and so now a lot of people know me as the pilot's daughter and i create some travel content oh my gosh sorry mm-hmm. here wait this is such a side note can you hear all those rings yeah i wonder if i can turn that off is that from your laptop yeah so let me turn all of these on to hide alerts <laughs> sorry about that now you're good. Okay, I can start that again. <laughs> um, so I'm Caroline Milo, and I'm a full-time interior designer slash project manager. Um, just graduated from the University of Cincinnati with a major in interior design and minor in journalism, focusing on travel journalism. Um, that I hope to be a freelance travel journalist on the side. But now, as of December, I went viral on TikTok. So many people know me as the pilot's daughter. And I create sort of this content that's centered around travel, focusing on travel hacks, um, how people can really be inspired to travel and where they should go, uh, the best itineraries for these places, and things I've learned from my experience growing up with travel. What what exactly is uh, travel journalism? I was a journalism major as well. I was a major, journalism major. Yeah, so, so travel journalism, we had a class centered around this in school, and it really spoke to me. And essentially, it can be anything from doing a singular piece of how my experience is in a place to like top 10 things to do in Venice, Italy, um to also like the best food um wrecks in a certain location but essentially anything to do with travel and sort of those like sub headings of those places so do people pay you to travel um i do not get paid directly to travel i just have sort of done it with my family growing up and I've always loved recording the experience and it's just travel is a very rewarding experience. So I like to share it with many people and share what I've learned, share what I hope to learn. And essentially travel also helps you figure out more about yourself. So that's always been a super important thing for me to learn from travel growing up and figuring out like what I love, what I want to do. And yeah. How does traveling help you figure out more about yourself? Travel for me, um, figuring out more about myself. Essentially, you go to say it's a new location that you've never been. Um, You're sort of like reborn in that location. You 
it's almost like you're a deer that's just been born and you like can hardly walk because you don't know anything about this place and you don't know like where are the best places to go what you exactly want to see like obviously you do your research before you go on a trip but a lot of times that changes when you're on a trip because you figure out more of how do I like to travel for myself what do I actually want to see do I actually have to see this museum that was recommended as like the top 10 things I should do in Rome when maybe I just want to walk around the streets and talk to locals or what if you go to Paris and rather than hitting the Louvre, you want to sit at a cafe for three hours and <laughs> smoke a cigarette and drink an espresso because you really just want to get in those conversations with people. Um, and I think that all figures out sort of how you are as a person back home. Uh, you meet all these people too that you get into interesting conversations when you travel and they may give you uh, some pointers or some lessons that you can take back home and essentially benefit from and take those into your everyday life. Like a lot of people go to Italy and then they realize they shouldn't rush in life or that they should take a break in the middle of the day and taking that back home because if that speaks to you and what you're like you as a person want to be, then that can be really helpful. My favorite thing to do when I travel is to walk around. That's that's my favorite thing. I, I like to go to places with without a plan or agenda and just see where the day takes me. I agree, because then you sort of come into it with a blank map. There's I just recently came back from a two month trip. I with one of my friends, Tao, she's about to go to med school and I just graduated. So we had the break and we decided to travel together. And we went to Greece, Italy, and Croatia. And in the beginning of the trip, we had it all very planned out. And I was like, we need to have our hotels booked five days ahead of the trip. Um, and we need to know exactly where we're going next week so I can let my parents know. And so that I just have that peace of mind for myself for today so that I can then do all the touristy things I need to do today, meet with the locals, be a little more in touch with the moment. But towards the end, we became pretty good at booking things last minute. And there would be days where we would literally be ferrying to the next island and hadn't even booked our stay because we just knew it would work out. And we knew we wanted that flexibility. And it's sometimes really nice doing that because, like I said, is you do have that blank slate of a day and you can really piece it together exactly how you want. There's no agenda that you have to stick to. And it's a great break from reality when you're really going from one thing to the next every single day, whether that's work or, you know, you wake up at, say, 6 a.m., go on a run in the morning, then you go to work, and then you're coming back from work, and then you're rushing off to one of your hobbies in the afternoon, or you're just relaxing, but you have to be in bed by 10 so that you can then go back to work. There's always these like hours and minutes that you have to be so pieced by. And sometimes travel is really nice in that way that you can just go about your day and no day's a wasted day. What, what sparks your interest in traveling? For me, I think naturally having my dad in the travel industry growing up, um, that really was a major influence. But 
really when I was really young, we didn't travel too much because 9-11 had just happened. And so the airline industry was really struggling. And I am 23. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I don't remember 9-11 because I was only about two years old, but I definitely remember like the 10 years aftermath of just everyone talking about terrorism and people being so terrified to fly. And I remember in school, and this was super traumatizing, is once they showed us a video of like one of the planes going down and like the crew and everyone trying to help it. And I just couldn't like not picture my dad. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I sometimes think, why would they show that in class? Like to a bunch of like fourth graders, um, because that's just so you, it's just a lot of fear Mm -hmm. and things that you can't comprehend at that moment. Um, but for me, I always wanted to, I guess, like stick it through. And I knew that, I don't know, as I started traveling more and more, I just felt that you, you shouldn't assume the worst in people and there's Mm -hmm. nothing to really be anxious on a flight for and traveling. Um, so yeah, but then when I was younger too, we would do small trips because we weren't really traveling internationally as much at the moment. Um, but we would, my dad was at that point based in Chicago and we would fly over to Chicago for a weekend if he was in between trips, but it didn't really make sense for him to fly all the way back to Ohio in between those trips. And we would make it this whole weekend together. And one of my favorite pancake places, and I've always wanted to go back to Chicago and find this pancake place, but it would literally just be hanging out with my family in Chicago, walking around, um, going to this pancake place in the morning. And then a lot of times we would go to the American Girl Doll store. I remember that a lot as a little girl because the American Girl Doll store, you could only find a big city. So it was only in places like Chicago and New York at that time. Now it's there's one in Columbus, but it was different 15 years ago. Why do you travel so frequently? For me, I travel so frequently to sort of have a break from reality. And it's also a great inspiration for interior design and architecture. But I also, I love meeting people and hearing what they're all about and just sort of opening my mind to new ideas and cultures. And for me, I really want to be able to travel the world, essentially, by the time I'm done with my life, Um, when that day comes up (laughs) in the future, far future, hopefully, because there's still a lot of places I haven't been. But I, I don't know, I just, I travel so frequently, too, because obviously I get the flight benefits um, of my dad being in the airline industry, and so it makes it a lot more affordable. Um, I am a young professional now, I guess, but I was in college. So spending a lot of money is not on my table all the time. (laughs) So where's some place that you really want to go to that you haven't gone to yet? For me, some places I haven't traveled to, but I really, really want to go are India. I would love to do India really well for a month. Um, that I think I'm going to have to wait until I'm a little bit older, uh, based off of, I've already started like researching and planning out like an itinerary for a whole month in India, 
but I've always wanted to go. I just think there's so much to see and learn there. And um, also traveling around Southeast Asia, I've always wanted to backpack Southeast Asia. Um, that's a huge dream of mine. I hear about these people that go on these wonderful trips there. And I haven't been back to Asia since second grade. So that was actually my first time out of the country. And it was such a culture shock for me because that being my first time out of the country and I'm the, I was this, I, th I think I was eight years old. I was this eight year old blonde hair, blue eyed little girl, only speaking English from Ohio that it was just so different and it was so interesting and traveling the Great Wall of China and just seeing all the camels that were around in that area. And I know it's changed a lot um, since that time. That was, I mean, that was, I mean, before Facebook really and all of these social media, that was before an iPhones. That was such a long time. And I've always wanted to go back to Asia in general, but also Beijing to compare those experiences. Um, but also in Southeast Asia, Bhutan has, is a huge bucket list item for me, um, by the Himalayas. You can only travel there during certain times of the year, and it takes specialized pilots to actually get around the mountains to get you to Bhutan. And I feel like their culture is just so different than mine. And I've always been super curious about it. Interesting. Those are some names that, you know, you don't typically hear that often. Like we typically get you, you, but you've probably been everywhere. Like you've been to Dubai, I'm, I'm assuming. I have not been to Dubai. That's on everybody's bucket list. Yeah, Dubai for sure. I feel like that's a little more accessible. Um, so, <laughs> um, well, besides <laughs> price wise, maybe. Um, but I haven't done much research on Dubai. But I feel like Dubai and then like places like Egypt. I feel like I'll be able to get there within the next 10 to 15 years. But for places like India, Bhutan, and like doing a really long trip in Southeast Asia, I feel like those are things that I might have to prepare for if I want to do it really well. And that might take even longer. Gotcha. Do you speak more than one language now? I speak Spanish and English, but I'm currently trying to do 30 minutes a day to learn French because I've always wanted to learn French and also it. yeah and then I've always wanted to learn Italian as well mm. um but I that's actually something <clears throat> now that I'm done studying all the time and pulling all-nighters for my major and my minor um you know I sort of have that time after I'm done working probably 40 to 50 hours a week etc in New York to sort of figure out what I want to learn on the side and things I want to do to better myself. And I think learning languages is one of the most valuable things you can do because mm -hmm. people in these local areas, you get a completely different experience if you can connect with them by speaking their language. Have you eaten pizza in Italy? I have eaten pizza in Italy. <laughs> have you eaten pizza in New York? I have eaten pizza in New York. <laughs> Which one do you think is better? Oh my gosh, this is honestly such a loaded question because they're they're very different, um, but they're also, I guess, similar in the way that I mean, if if you're categorizing deep dish versus like the flat crust pizza, um, 
gosh, I love my $1 slices in New York. I really do. I really do. Um, yeah. Italy is a great experience with pizza, obviously, but um, it's one of those things you sit down for and you enjoy. And sometimes I really enjoy just eating on a curb, a $1 slice of pizza from New York. It is one of my favorite things to do, honestly. And you're not the first person I, I, I've heard to, that said, like, pizza in Italy is not better than New York. Uh, it makes a, you know, born and raised New Yorker feel so good when those things happen, you know. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Well, what are some of the best ways for someone who has an average salary to travel in luxury? Yeah, I think um, one of the best things you could do if you're looking for a more luxurious way to travel, but you're on an average salary, is traveling where your money does most and can go further. Um, coming off of this recent trip in Greece, a lot of the places that we went to were very affordable because we avoided the touristy islands. Mm. I'm like me and Tao, we were staying in some Airbnbs that were about $10, $20 a night and they were nice. And that was in Paros and Tinos specifically. And then our meals would be around $20. Um, that was not per person, it would be $20 split. So then like basically a dinner where we would have like fresh fish and we would have some nice sides and it was all so good. Like the tzatziki, the olives, oh, um, it was so good. And it would only be $20. So it'd be like $10 per person. So it would, you know, we could have this nice meal because the US dollar went farther. And currently right now, the inflation rate and just like the US dollar to Euro conversion at the moment is pretty good. So yeah, for real. not only did Tao and I save up money over the years to be able to take a big trip at some point, but, and I was doing that on an internship budget. So, and that was, you know, I only interned in between semesters. So I was able to save like 50% of my paycheck and I would only dip into that a little bit over the school semester because I'd also be doing babysitting on the side um, when I was work, like working on school and just trying to save up as much as I could because I knew this was a big goal of mine was to do a huge trip post-grad. But Costa Rica is also a great place to go um, for your money to go further. And we, the time I went there, I traveled actually during their off season which is their sort of like rainy season. And so it was literally raining like every day for a little bit. And then like my hair did not dry the whole entire time because I have very thick hair. And we would do these excursions in the afternoon to like rainforests and all of these like waterfalls and then, or like we would go to the beach and then I would shower and then it would start raining. And my hair was not dry the entire week that we went. And I <laughs> always remember that. But things like the meals in Costa Rica were like $3 US dollar. So going to these places and I stayed with a host family. So that was almost like no cost to me. And I got to speak my Spanish um, and really connect with those locals and see all of their top recommendations. Um, and it was a really great experience for not spending too much money. What has been your favorite and least favorite place that you've traveled to thus far? 
my favorite and least favorite place. I think one of my favorite places that I've been to is Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, Israel. Those were some of the most vibrant sunsets that I've ever seen. And everyone there is so fit because I guess people in Israel like have to join the military. So you would just see around like the evenings, all these people running along the trails and along the coast. And then you would see this beautiful sunset and it was so inspiring. I was like, I need to go on a run when I get home. But um, it was just all the culture there religiously too. And for so many different religions was so interesting to me. And I just, it was just breathtaking. And architecturally, it was very cool to see um, all, all of Tel Aviv and all of Jerusalem. And we, I was really lucky. I was traveling with my dad. So he booked us a tour guide for, we were there with the whole crew when I went to Israel and it was a like two or three day layover. So we were there for a while, which it's one of the longer layovers because it takes so long to fly over. So they need the pilots and the crew to really rest before they fly back. Mm -hmm. um, so we got a lot of time to explore um, more than sometimes my other trips that I'll go on a weekend excursion with my dad. Um, <laughs> but then also Switzerland has to be one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Um, just all the lakes. And I've only actually ever been there during the summer, but I was, I've always wanted to go back to Europe and try to ski like more places in the wintertime. Um, I haven't skied Switzerland yet, um, but the summertime was just, it was absolutely gorgeous and we did so much hiking and I really was really feeling my moment of sound of music uh when I was there just the the cows were literally on all of the like mountaintops and you would hear their cowbells ringing um and just the people were so nice and the cheese fondue and I was there with my whole family so I think that also made a very positive experience because it's a lot of times it's who you're with on a trip can really, really add all the value. Yeah, I definitely heard that because I've heard some horror stories of people who travel with people that they think would be a good travel buddy and actually weren't. So it's, it's very important to pick your group wisely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Do you, so what's the least favorite place? I know that might be hard for you, but. Least favorite place. Um, yeah, I've honestly loved pretty much all of the places that I've traveled to. And I think I'm always so excited to see each new city or location. But I think one of my least favorite places I've been to is Pisa and Venice. Um, they both are huge tourist traps, honestly. And I think at least for Venice, it's one of those things that you must see once in life, at least. But it's not a place I'm probably going to go back to. Um, I just maybe I ate at all the wrong restaurants, but I did not think the food was comparable to any of the other regions of Italy that I've been to. It was very crowded because it's very touristy. And I just, um, it was very beautiful though. And the water taxis were really interesting um, to see that people use those and how they get around. Um, and then what was that? Oh yeah. And then Pisa was just one of those things that I sort of checked off a bucket list and I saw it and I definitely don't need to go back. Um, some of the 
I mean, some of the food was just like so expensive compared to other regions in Italy. And I was like, yeah, I'm so glad that I packed food for myself when I went here because why would I be buying like a like pizza or gelato that costs like 100% more than where I can get a better pizza and gelato or easily comparable back in another area. Got you. So what would you say is the most overrated place and the most underrated place you've been to? Ooh, um, overrated. I definitely think it's Pisa. I, I don't think a lot of people Pisa like in Italy. Yeah. Pisa, Italy. It's like the leaning tower of Pisa. Um, all of that, uh, where people make those poses. Um, it's great. Um, and just, um, I don't think it's, a. I don't think people actually overrate it. I think people are pretty real about this is Pisa. Yeah, go see it, go learn about it, but like you won't have to go back. But, and it's definitely one of those places that I just will never have a desire really to go back. But underrated, oh gosh. Um, trying to think. I think a lot of people have a lot of love and hate for Amsterdam and I will always love Amsterdam. I think the architecture is so cool. And I think there's so much history with the Anne Frank house and Anne Frank was not the only Jewish person to go in hiding. There was a little girl that wrote diaries and all of that. And, but she's obviously the one that Americans know pretty well, but there's just a huge history um with like world war ii in amsterdam and the surrounding area of amsterdam and just the netherlands in general but i will always love amsterdam whether it's in the winter or the summer it's it's definitely one of my favorite cities i think i uh i've heard good things about amsterdam i've 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 heard only love not the hate from amsterdam i hear it's it's similar to new york kind of yeah it's I can see the similarities because it has those houses that are very small in the front because they built them initially supposedly for taxes because it can go really lengthy long wise. Um, but then like the front, if it's smaller in the front, like width wise, then it costs less money, um, I guess, for the person that lives there. But it's a lot of people in like one area. And I just I love that they bike everywhere. Um and there's just all these little tiny shops that you can sort of roam into. Uh, it, do, it does sort of have a similar vibe to some areas in Brooklyn because it's also pretty like trendy um, and yeah, very vibey. Um, and the people are, I mean, it's a very diverse community I, from what I've seen. Mm. So that reminds me a lot of New York in that way. What are some of your favorite travel hacks? Oh my gosh, I have so many travel hacks. I literally listed out as many as I could think. But so one of the biggest things is I'd say bring reusable bags like a Lululemon bag or if you buy one in duty free, sometimes you can stuff some extra things in there and the airline will not say anything about it. Um, so that was really handy for Tao and I when we started shopping more for our loved ones before the end of our trip. And so we were carrying around a little bit more and it helped us essentially bring a few more items onto the plane uh, without having to pay like $50 for an extra carry-on or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, 
I always suggest downloading the airline apps so that you can keep like up to date on if there's delays or be just like so that you know um, and can predict like the schedule. Uh, my TSA app also gives you estimated wait times, which is really nice. Um, but I do always suggest arriving three hours before boarding during summer travel and holidays. And then, and especially this summer has been, it was so crazy. Um, or if you're going to Paris, you need to be there three hours ahead of time. Like my family and I, um, the last time we went to Paris, we literally were in all the TSA lines and all of the, we didn't even check a bag, I don't think. Um, but it took us three hours to get through everything. It was literally insane. And um, there were multiple people that were running up to me that I could hardly understand because I only speak Spanish and English. And they were asking me essentially if they were, um, I think, for their flight and if they were calling people to essentially move people through um, that were about to miss their flight. And some guy, his flight had literally left an hour previously. Um, and he was like, because I looked at his ticket and it said, I think it was like 1130 in the morning and his flight left at 1030 and he was still trying to get through the TSA and still confused. Um, so yeah. Uh, but a general rule for normal travel, I like to do two hours before departure, um, being through the TSA. Um, I do have TSA pre-check and I really like that. And a lot of times some credit cards will cover that fee if that's something that you don't have that I definitely think it's helpful. Um, carrying around portable steamers, universal chargers, chargeable iPhone cases are a huge one for me um, so that you don't have to be walking around the day and then worry about my phone's going to die. I can't take as many pictures or, oh, like I won't be able to use Google Maps anymore. Um, and actually for specific areas, you can download the maps so that it won't use as much data. And lint rollers, uh, I always carry clippers specifically for hangnails because it's always when I do not pack these that I always get a hangnail. And it's one of those little things that's so bothersome. Um, I always look at Google Flights for flights if I'm not flying with United um, and if I actually wanna book it. So if you're hopping around Europe, a lot of times you can use Google Flights to really explore what the best days are for you to essentially travel. And with that being flexible, um, this can be a huge advantage. Flying out on Friday might be $500 to go to Vegas or something. But on Tuesday, it might be $30. So having that flexibility, as long as you have that break and that PTO can really save you some serious money. And then also going along with the being flexible, if your flight is oversold, and this actually happened to me recently, if your flight is oversold, they might ask for volunteers to possibly go another day. Um, a lot of times this is precautionary, but even if it is, sometimes you will, well, you will get a flight voucher that then you could use for the future. And so I ended up getting $1,500 in flight vouchers. Uh, because I was a paid customer on this United flight and it was oversold. Um, and then I also got $30 in meal credits and I also got a free hotel that night. And that, all I had to do was just say I was ready to travel the next day. And it was perfect for me being flexible and 
making that money essentially off of just going a day later because then I used that money to um, part of it to buy my flight back from Europe. And then I'm saving the rest of it to go to one of my friend's weddings in Brazil next summer. Nice. Um, Cheapest days to travel or cheapest days to book your flight is typically Saturday or Sunday, 6 a.m. to noon. But a lot of times it's the cheapest to buy the flight for a Tuesday, Um, sometimes in the middle of the week. That tends to be a less expensive day. And then many airlines have deals with companies that if you shop with them and you can earn back like essentially money, like cash back in like a browser. So I think like United does this for mileage plus. And so if you're shopping for say some Lululemon shorts, then you can just pop on your browser and make sure that it's syncing and buy those Lululemon shorts and earn cash back that you can then use for flights in the future. And packing light is always really nice. Uh, Fanny packs, I really like. Or if you're not into fanny packs, have like a separate smaller purse where that's like directly in a pocket or an area in your bag that you can easily take out your passport and IDs when you're going up to security and then putting away. Um, Because a lot of times for international flights as well, you will be pulling those IDs and passports and your boarding pass out multiple times. And so you want to have that flexibility and easy in and out of your bag so that you essentially save time for everyone that's in line. And then my last tip is I always pack basics and this helps me pack light, but neutral clothes, I say 80% and then fun pops of color because I love my prints and pops of color and accessories. I say that 20%. Got you. Wow. You should, you should like have a blog or something, man. Oh, you have a TikTok. So that's kind of like a blog. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I'm, I've hardly even been able to keep up with my TikTok and all these things I want to share with people just because like I completely unplugged when I went to Europe and as much as I want to share my experiences, that was a very much needed break for me because I had always been studying so hard in school and then I'd only have a week in between ending school and then going to my internships and this was my whole cycle the past five years so I would have to like pack up and move to San Francisco for then I'd be in San Francisco for four months and then I'd have to pack up and move back to Cincinnati all in a week and all of that so like that kind of lifestyle to kind of just get up and go or does that it has to get tiresome after a while though I know it must it It definitely does. I actually think the hardest thing about exploring these places and going to these places is you make so many new friends and you make so many new connections and it's great for like your extensive network, but then it is so, so hard for me. um, And I'm sure many people that go through this to leave those people at the end because you just, you know, it's such a small part of your overall life, but you, just are so like you it's that whole feeling of you're reinventing yourself and then you're making these new connections that are so good for you in the moment and then you have to leave and like go back to reality sometimes or like my reality almost the past five years was the fact that I would have to go back to school like and I would have to go on to my next semester before then I would go on my next co-op internship and so 
I made all these friends and I lived in Brooklyn um, for four months. This was pre-COVID. So I lived in San Francisco, Brooklyn, and then uh, Denver was my last co-op. And then two of them were remotely because of COVID. So I was just living at home. But all of those three places, I was there for about four months. So I really started to make a life for myself because it started to get really comfortable and I really started to get the hang of things and then I would have to leave. Mm. And the only thing is though, if I were to go back, I would absolutely still do it again. Like it was like, I think I was crying in the San Francisco airport as I was leaving because that was my first co-op. And I lived in a hacker house with like 30 plus people and they all became such amazing connections and friends. And it was my first internship as well. So it was a whole new experience and it was really, really tough leaving. What, what are some of your favorite credit card hacks? Some of my favorite credit card hacks, uh, personally, as a recent college graduate, I'm just now starting out on my credit journey, but I've had a basic no fee card the past couple of years that earned me some, ca some cash back for travel. Um, but then I've heard the Chase Sapphire Preferred. I haven't used this personally because I haven't been approved, but <laughs> they're like, until you are a full-time professional, you can finally use this credit card. At least that's like what my experience has been. But I've done a lot of research into this credit card because it's often highly recommended. And my older brother and my sister-in-law have both used it as long as, as well as her sister. And it's a pretty low annual fee of $95 but you earn points for every dollar you spend. And there's also some sort of bonus. I think it's like 60,000 bonus points if you spend $4,000. Um, I think it's a, in a certain amount of time frame, I would imagine. But if you're going on a big or expensive trip, like a long one or just it's expensive, uh, you can easily reach like that by booking flights, stays and excursions. Um, for me, on this pack, past like Europe trip that I did for two months, I spent over $4,000, but I didn't spend too much over that. So I would have gotten those 60,000 bonus points if I would have had a Chase Sapphire Preferred. And when you get those bonus points, essentially you can trade in those rewards for then using towards travel in the future to save money. Gotcha. You need that Chase Sapphire. You said you have to become a full-time professional first. Yeah, they didn't. Um, well, that's just what my experience has been. Um, I've, I mean, I've been working like on my, like with internships the past five years and I've been in school and I really like to live below my means personally. So I have a good credit score. I have a good savings that I've like been careful about, but I still wasn't approved. And it's because of my lack of credit history, essentially. Ah, that it. and I, I think they're waiting. A lot of companies want you to be officially like started with the company that you're going to work with. And I don't start until the beginning of September in New York full time as a full time employee and not just an intern. So I think that's made them that made them hesitant. They wrote me a letter. <laughs> Congrats, by the way. Thank you. What are some of the best ways to monetize traveling? Ways you can get paid by traveling? By monetizing travel, um, 
I think always having a goal in mind of what exactly it is that you want to accomplish on your travels. Um, the minute you get there and you're traveling, you're going to be spending money. You And so you want to have the right saved amount for that, whether that be like for Tao and I, we basically tried to stick to under $100 a day. And that was really doable for us because we were going to Greece and the areas in Italy that we went to, um, we stayed in sort of the non-touristy parts of that region. And that still gave us the flexibility to be able to see this, um, like the more touristy places if we wanted to, but then we got to stay a little more locally and have that experience. Um, and that saved us a lot of money. So I think just being realistic of like what you can spend on and what you shouldn't spend on for us also, that meant not drinking at dinner, but that's fine with us. We would rather like buy a bottle from the market that's still an authentic Italian bottle of wine and share that in our Airbnb on a rooftop um, rather than buying like a $20 bottle of wine at, or not even, I doubt there's any bottles of wine that are actually $20, but probably more like a $50 a bottle of wine for the table for dinner. It just didn't really add up with what we wanted to spend. Um, you, you could just drink water too, you know? Yeah, that too. Exactly. <laughs> but in Italy, I feel like a part of you like, has to try the wine, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, that was something that saved us a ton of money is not drinking at dinner. Like we almost never ordered drinks at dinner. And um, try to move around the least amount you can. I think it's one of the best decisions we made was spending more time in lesser places. Um, so we spent like a week in Tinos, which is a very sm like cute, small, non-touristy island, 20 minutes away from Mykonos. And it's, it was a great experience because we didn't have to move around so much and we still got the authentic Greek island experience and we really because whenever you travel whenever you're booking a flight or whenever you're booking a train it's going to cost you money and it's going to be a fatter sum for your day that you're trying to stay under a certain budget so I always recommend I've I've had a lot of people come to me like close friends that have been like I'm trying to do Barcelona for one day and then I'm going to fly to like Munich for another day and I always ask them, are you ready for how much that's going to like cost or like, what is your goal? Because if you want to see as many places as you can, because this is the only time that you have to travel for the next like 30 plus years, then maybe it's worth it to spend that kind of money and travel around that much. And just, just please pack light if you're doing that though. But because I just could not imagine moving all of my things in and out of Airbnbs like every other day. It's just too much. Um, you don't get to like relax as much. Don't. But for me, I always say you should spend at least like three nights in a place, at, which is still a shorter trip. Um, because it's just you get to like sort of put your things away and just like really spend more time there and like connect a little bit better. I honestly think it's best to spend like two weeks in like one country like if you can um like but focus in like if it's a bigger country like Italy don't try to do all of Italy in two weeks um you can but it's one of those things too you're going to end up moving around a lot more um but essentially 
traveling around less and doing less places better and spending more time there will save you a lot more money. Um, and then I guess another monetizing thing, really utilizing that cash back that you can get on credit cards. Um, I really hope to use that in the future, but um, also having those internet browsers and really just being flexible really helps with the cost of things. And my final question, if you could live one place in the world, where would it be? <laughs> well, I'm really excited to move to New York. Um, I think New York has so much culture and it's honestly one of the few places I like really dream of living in in the United States before one day I want to live in Europe or just around the world in general. Um, but I mean, I also haven't really looked into like the politics of a lot of European countries. So I don't know if I would like, cause Greece is a lot more, um, I guess, uh, better for women to live in a lot of times, but then also like we talked to some of the locals, um, and like they, like some of them had like different opinions because obviously like with Roe v. Wade being overturned, like like female body anomaly has been like a huge discussion amongst the world. And so a ton of Europeans would see that we were American and want to talk to things about like that with us. Um, I've heard the Nordic countries are a great place to live. Um, and, but like I said, I haven't really done the research. Um, I think in a perfect movie fairy tale life I would love dreaming about living on a vineyard and painting in Italy but <laughs> like I said I really haven't looked into that and right now I'm really just focusing in on moving to New York and being a part of that culture and learning from others there and yeah I, I've always loved New York um that was one of the first big cities that I visited when I was in kindergarten and I actually ended up crying when I was there because I missed my friends back home but overall my memory of my first time in New York has been a very positive one and I just remember thinking that it's amazing that you can really walk everywhere that you want to go don't need a car mm -hmm. um, that's a huge huge plus for me um, I love to walk but I also just love having that accessibility there's always things to do in New York and I'm a very energetic and active person. So I love that aspect of it. And I feel like a lot of people from all over the world live in New York. I feel like it's not just Americans. And so it gives those sort of like international experiences and connections that you sometimes seek when you're traveling. Um, you could meet someone easily that like just moved to New York. That's from like Finland and they're just there for like two months um, on an internship or something, but then they're also working in a cafe or you just can make those sort of, you can still like expand your mind so easily because you're in this huge city with so many people. And like, you can still learn about all the different cultures that are there. So New York is your final answer. I guess, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> love hearing it. Well, that is all the questions I have for you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to me. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. I feel like 
I've never like talked this so much all at once. So this was such a different experience. I was like, oh my gosh, did I like talk too much? Or like, did I just, I totally talked his ear off about travel. (laughs) You're on this podcast for a reason. So you came on here to talk. That's what I asked you to do. Thank you. Thank you so much.